If you have a Bible and you want to, you can turn to Genesis 22. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Actually, um, Genesis 22 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, not necessarily for the story of Abraham and Isaac, but for what it reveals about God. And I probably taught on it more than that in John 13, probably more than any other chapter, chapters in the Bible. And I always, always find something new. It's, it's always, it's rich. Uh, so, okay, you guys ready? So many of you know the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? God asked Abraham to go to a certain mountain and to sacrifice um, Isaac, to offer Isaac as a sacrifice on the mountain. Now, this request was not uncommon to Abraham. It was customary in that time for the gods that were worshipped by the nations of the earth to require the sacrifice of a firstborn in exchange for blessing or favor or uh, prosperity. Okay? What was uncommon about this was the fact that God provided the sacrifice for Abraham, okay? And Abraham went on his whole journey with confidence that the Lord would provide. And so sure enough, when he got to the point where he lifted up the knife, the angel of the Lord stopped him. So let's read it in Genesis 22, verse uh, 13. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. And said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the gates of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have heard and obeyed my voice. All right. So this is the place where God is given the name provider, okay? This is where his nature as a provider is revealed. And we are continuously, hopefully, growing in our understanding of what that means, right? Okay? So um, let's start with the Hebrew words that are translated the Lord will provide. The Hebrew words are Yahweh Ra. Okay? Now, this name of God is commonly referred to today as Jehovah Jireh. Okay? Everybody heard the name Jehovah Jireh? Okay, so if you want to know a little bit of trivia, it means nothing, but we'll just, just give you a little bit of trivia. Those two words are actually made up words. Okay? In the 10th century, they took the German translation of the Hebrew letters for Yahweh. The Hebrew letters for Yahweh are YHW, I mean, YHWH, okay? They took the German translation, which is JHVH, and they added the, the, the vowels from a different name of God, Adonai, to JHVH, and they came up with Jehovah, okay? 
So it's not a big deal. If you hear the word Jehovah, it's just a different way to say Yahweh. Okay? So they did the same thing with the word Ra. Okay? They added the Jai before the Ra, and it became Jireh. Okay? Does that make sense? So it, but the words are Yahweh Ra. Okay, so now that that trivia is out of the way, <laughs> the word for Ra means to see. Okay? It is used over 1,300 times in the Old Testament, and over 90% of the time it is translated as to see or to look or to make visible. It is translated less than 10 times according to whatever translation you read as provide. Okay? So even our English word provide comes from the Latin word providere. Okay? Pro means before or in front of, and videre means to see. It's where we get our word video and visual and vision, okay? We even see it in the word provision. Provision is pro-vision, to see before, okay? All right, do you see that? Now, this is important not because it changes the fact that he's a provider, but hopefully it can help us uh, um, have an understanding of how he provides, Okay, does that make sense so far? Okay, so today the use of the word provide has been mostly reduced to mean supplying something that we need in order to meet a certain condition. Okay, supplying something we need in order to meet a certain condition. So I have a certain condition, I need this in order to, make, to, to meet this condition, so I need provision, right? Or we we mean it as something that we, it will help us be more comfortable in our current condition, okay? The provision of the Lord. And we think of it mostly in terms of something tangible that we can define or possess, okay? Does that make sense? So therefore, because this is how we think of provision, our eyes are most often on the thing itself rather than the vision of where we're going rather than seeing ahead to where we're going. Okay, does that make sense? So in the, in the Hebrew language, in the ancient world, where things were not so immediately accessible, um, providing was connected to vision. Okay, does that make sense so far? So you saw ahead, you had vision of where you were going, and then you prepared or you gathered the things that you needed to make that vision a reality. Okay? All right, are you, okay, are you okay so far? So to give us a picture, this word is used over and over again in Genesis chapter 1 when God was creating the universe, when he was creating the world, and it says he saw, he raw, he saw that it was good. Okay? So God had a vision, then he spoke that vision, he described it, and then what he said became visible. Provision. Okay? Does that make sense? So then he did the same thing to Abraham. He came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and he said, Abraham, leave your country, your, your household, your family, and go to a land that I will show you, that I will raw you. I will show you this land. Okay? He gave him a vision. He didn't see it yet, but it was a vision. The Lord spoke it and he heard it. Okay? Okay? Then he gets to the land, he actually gets to the land, 
And God tells Abraham, lift up your eyes and look at the land. See the land, dream, see the vision, walk through the land, because I'm giving this land to you. It's a vision, right? Okay, you guys okay so far? (laughs) Okay, so it all starts with vision. God has a vision. He gives us a word. We hear the word. We see the vision. And then God provides what is necessary to bring that vision into reality. See, sometimes we think we aren't seeing the provision of the Lord because we have our eyes on the thing instead of the vision. Okay? And so we treat God the provider like a Santa Claus. And we ask him for what amounts to him as trinkets. Because we don't have the vision. We've got our eyes on the thing. Because we just want to make our current condition more comfortable. If we want to see God as provider, we have to lift up our eyes and see what he sees. Because he has way more for us than trinkets, right? He wants way more for us than just to be comfortable in our current condition. He wants to expand our view of what is possible, to give us vision and then help us make that vision a reality. Okay? All right, you guys okay? So I want to talk about, oh, that, okay. The clock is wrong, so I have to think to look here. Okay. I was like, man. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about a few things that will help us see God as provider. Okay? You guys okay? You ready? All right. So the first thing that it says in Genesis chapter 22, the first thing it says is that God tested Abraham. And already we're like, Ugh. right? And he follows that up by saying, Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to this place and offer him as a sacrifice. Right? So... If we don't know the nature of God as provider, we will read the story something like this. God gave Abraham a test in order to evaluate his grade in the subject of faith. Right? Then he gave Abraham something extraordinarily hard to do just to see if he could pass the test. I don't know if I could pass such a test. And even though I see that it all worked out for Abraham, I don't know if I could be willing to make such a risk. And so therefore, my faith must not be strong. And so we walk away from this story. Instead of seeing God as a provider, our eyes are on how weak or how strong we think our faith is. Right? So then our expectation of the provision of the Lord becomes based on how much or how little faith we think we have. And so we ask him for things that we think we have faith enough to ask him for. Yeah? Okay. Okay. So um, (laughs) that is not what this story is communicating at all. It should not be what we take away from the story. Okay, because in that time, they did not have schools like we have today, where grades were given based on tests to evaluate how good or bad you are at a subject. Okay, 
teaching was done in the context of relationship and life circumstance. Okay? So what a teacher would do was in a difficult circumstance, if the teacher believed that the student was capable, he would give the student opportunities to navigate the situation and not to show the student what he was capable of. Okay? And if the student had trouble, the teacher was always present right there with him in the circumstance to step in if he needed help navigating. And if he didn't need help navigating, there was a celebration and the student knew what he was capable of. And so it expanded, like he was able to be empowered to do new things. If he couldn't navigate it, the teacher was right there to help him navigate it. There was no such thing as failure. There was no such thing as keeping score. It was relationship. And the whole point of the teacher was to show the student what they're capable of. Okay? You guys okay so far? So this wasn't a case of God wanting to find out if Abraham had enough faith to be trusted with the promise. The promise had already been made. The word had already gone out. The vision had already been given. This was a case of God showing Abraham what he was capable of. So that Abraham could expand his view of what was possible because now he knows God as a provider. Okay? Not as just the provider, as my provider. Okay? All right, you guys okay? <laughs> so God had given Abraham a vision. Okay? I will show you a land. And then when he got to the land, lift up your eyes. Look at the land, see the land. I want you to walk through the land. And when you walk through the land and you see it, I want you to reach down and I want you to pick up a handful of the dirt. And as you look at the dirt and as it's sifting through your fingers, I want you to try to count all the little grains of dirt. And when you do, I want you to think about your descendants because I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth and I will give them this land. Okay? Then years later, Abraham still doesn't have a son. And so God comes to him again in the context of a relationship and reminds him of the vision. And he says, Abraham, if you're tired of looking at the land, if you're tired of walking through the land, if you're tired of counting the dirt, lift your eyes higher, look at the stars. And start counting the stars. Because I'm not finished expanding your view of what's possible. And then I want you to look at the stars, so shall your offspring be. Keep your eyes on the vision. Okay? Does that make sense so far? Okay. Then Abraham had Ishmael, right? And so God comes to Abraham after some years later, after he has Ishmael, and he reminds him about the vision. And he says, Abraham, you're going to have a son with Sarah, and Isaac is going to be the one who inherits the promise. And Abraham didn't believe him. He said, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing." And you know what Sarah did when she heard it? She laughed. She's like, you're ridiculous, God. I don't believe you. They didn't believe him. They didn't have enough faith. But it didn't stop Isaac from being born. You know why? Because it's based on the promise of God, not the faith of Abraham and Sarah. Okay? God's provision is based off of his vision. 
okay? And sometimes that we think we aren't seeing the, when, when we think we aren't seeing the provision of the Lord, it's not because we don't have enough faith, it's because we're, our eyes aren't on his vision and so we don't understand what provision looks like. We're over here in Ur where Abraham started asking him for trinkets to make us more comfortable in Mesopotamia. And he's like, what are you still doing here? I've given you nations and you're asking me for trinkets and you're wondering why I'm not providing. It's because you're not over here where I put you. It's because you've lost the vision and you're asking me for comfort rather than what I have to give you. Okay, does that make sense? So Abraham <laughs> walked confidently with Isaac up the mountain, and he told his servants, we will come back to you. And he believed, even accor according to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, he even believed that if Isaac died, God would raise him from the dead because Abraham knew the vision. And he had years of walking with God where God was reminding him of the vision, and he knew that the vision required Isaac. So regardless of what my situation looks for, like, regardless of what I see, God will provide because it's his vision. Eyes on vision. Okay? God, the provider, is not a scorekeeper. He's not keeping score to find out if you believe him enough to receive the provision or the promise. He's, he's walking with you in relationship he has a vision for us. He's right there to, to step in if we need him. But he wants us to know, this is how much I believe in you so that I can expand your view of what's possible because now you know me as provider. And you can't, we can't know him as, as provider if we're looking for trinkets because he doesn't come that way. He's too big for that. And he believes in us too much for that. Okay? He's got more for us than trinkets. All right? You guys okay? <laughs> All right. So when Abraham got close to the place where the sacrifice was supposed to happen, he told his servants, hey, wait for us here. And we, meaning me and Isaac, we will go worship and then we will come back to you. Okay? This, this, so when Abraham said, we will go worship, this wasn't like they were going to go have some nice, you know, worship service where they were going to sing a few songs and they were going to, you know, maybe lift their hands and they were going to, you know, declare some praises and, you know, maybe kneel for a few moments. Like this word for worship means that you come and you bow down at the feet of someone in total surrender. Okay, this wasn't a moment where Abraham was going to tell God how worthy he was. He was going to show him by withholding nothing. Even all the promises of God he was, that he had been given, which were represented in Isaac, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it back to you because I'm not going to withhold anything. Okay, so the angel of the Lord told Abraham that because he did not withhold, God was going to increase his blessing even more. So this wasn't 
this exchange where Abraham decided, like, I'm going to give God more so that God will bless me more. Okay? This was God expanding Abraham's view because God needed Abraham to know that I am a provider, not a withholder. He needed Abraham to know that he was not a withholder. Okay? Because isn't that why we're scared to give him things? <laughs> because we think he's a withholder. And that he is, is somehow keeping score, waiting to give or withhold from us based on our scores. Based on our, based on our faith scores. And he wanted Abraham to know and us to know, I'm not a, I'm not a withholder, I'm a provider. Okay? Also, God wasn't just telling Abraham's story, he was telling his own. Like, he, <laughs> we have to read the Bible, you know, we have to read the Bible so that we can, it's a mirror so that we can see ourselves, but more importantly, it's to reveal the heart of God. So if we don't walk away from it, learning what, what God is revealing about himself, then we've got to go back. And say, God, what were you revealing about yourself and your nature that I need to know? Because so often, like, we, we want to put ourselves in, a in Abraham's shoes so that we can have a formula for how can God bless me like that. And God's like, I've already blessed you like that. I need you to know who I am and believe who I am. Okay, so um, God wants to tell his story through Abraham and through us because he wants the world to know who he is. And who he really is, okay? So this story, <laughs> this story wasn't about God requiring the sacrifice of Isaac. The story was about God providing the sacrifice in place of Isaac. And he says, this is about me providing the sacrifice, and it's not going to be Abraham's only son. It's going to be my only son because I'm going to do it for you. Because I'm not a withholder, I'm a provider. And I will make it for you. It's not about what he required, it's about what he provided. Okay? So, obviously, like, this story is telling about the, the coming. It's the seeing ahead of the sacrifice. It's the, it's the provision. It's seeing ahead of the sacrifice of Jesus. But Jesus didn't just come 2,000 years ago, okay? Romans 13.8 and 1 Peter 1.20 tell us that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, okay? So before we were ever created, before the world was ever created, God had a vision. And his vision was like, I don't want a world full of slaves that I, that I will rule through force, and I don't want a powerless people that I have to force to worship me. I want people who are created in my image who are powerful and full of wisdom. And I want to give them the extravagant gift of free will so they get to choose to serve me. Not because I force them, but because I love them. Free will is the most extravagant gift that we've been given. Because that is how we know it's love. Because without free will, there's no love. Okay? 
So he said, I want it to be based on love, not force. I want you to choose to worship me because you know that I love you and I love you and I want it to be a relationship, okay? And so, um, so he had this vision, but in order for, us, for him to give us the extravagant gift of free will, he had to make provision for the fact that we would not choose him. And so he says, before I do this, I need to know that there's provision because I see ahead that if there's a choice, they might not choose. And so he chose Jesus. You will be the sacrifice for them. You will provide for them if they don't choose because you're going to show them how much we love them to give them choice because we chose them before they choose us. And Jesus said, before you ever create them, I'll be the provision. I'll be the sacrifice. And this moment was Abraham, with Abraham was God stepping in and saying, I'm letting you in on the vision. I'm not a withholder. I'm a provider. Whatever I require, I'm paying the price. Because I want you to choose me, not because you have to. Not because you're forced to, not because I manipulated you, but because I loved you enough to lay down my life to show you how worthy you are so that you could choose to see how worthy I am. Surrender. We've been, we've been singing about it. Yvonne had a word about it. Surrender is the greatest gift that we've ever been given. Because it means that he loves us enough to give us the choice. He gives us a vision, and then he gives us the provision to make the vision a reality, and it's not even based on anything we have to pay. He already paid the price. Do you know why? You, you know, you might be wondering, if Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, why didn't as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, why didn't Jesus just come so that we could all see? Because God desires partnership with us. Because God empowers us. Because God believes in us more than we ever know is possible. Because God chooses to partner with us because he believes in us, because he loves us. And so because he's partnering with us, he's letting us carry his, carry his vision and his message into all the world. Surrender is the most beautiful, free will is the most extravagant gift we've ever been given, and surrender is the most beautiful gift we could ever give him because it's our choice. If we see him as a God who withholds, then we'll withhold from him. If we see him as a king who makes demands, then we will make demands of him. If we see him as a God who keeps score, then we'll see him as a teacher who will fail us if our scores aren't high enough. And if we see him as a Santa Claus, we'll ask him for trinkets when he has nations. Seeing him as provider is seeing I loved you first so that you can choose to love me. And I withheld nothing first 
so that you can see you can withhold nothing from me. Because I want to expand your view of what's possible. I want you to lift up your eyes and see the vision. I want you to see nations and not trinkets. Because that's how much I believe in you. All right, you guys can stand up. Oh, he's so worthy. He's just, he's worthy because he's God. And he doesn't need anything other than that. But the way that he extravagantly gives over and over and over, and he believes in us over and over and over. And then he says, you get to choose. I don't force you. You get, to, you get to choose to see me. You get to choose to experience how much I love you. Because that's how much I believe in you. And this whole morning, the message, like from the worship to Yvonne's word to this word, has been today is an, is an opportunity to see the value of surrender and the value of giving him everything because he gave everything for us. And he wants to expand our view and lift our eyes to see the vision that he has for, for us and expand our view of what's possible because he is a provider. So just, you can take a few minutes. Um, you got, you know, a few minutes before 12. If you just want to take a few minutes, you get to choose this morning to see him, to, to give him, to sacrifice, to surrender. And, um, and then you can go get your kids um, in a few minutes whenever you're ready.